Show Me the State is sponsored by Billiards on Broadway, located in downtown Columbia, Missouri. They are family-friendly and home of the famous Billiards Burger. Fresh ground beef, hand-pattied every day, and fresh-cut fries, hand-sliced every day. And Molly's award-winning chili. Billiards has 12 rotating taps showcasing outstanding Missouri craft beers and 11 of the finest pool tables in mid-Missouri. Billiards on Broadway, a Missouri staple for 11 years. Billiards on Broadway, love at first bite. It was not until probably my freshman or sophomore year that rumors spread that Doc Annie was building an abortion clinic. Oh yeah, everybody knew the Doc Annie story. What I remember of it was uh, out on Township Line Road. Township Line Road. Now it's not really out there, but back then it would have been the country. There was a place. It was just a big deserted field that was pretty much grown up. And then it was this big shell of a building. There was a building which was an abandoned hospital. Some people say it was a house. Some people say it was a clinic. It was brick. And parts of the brick wall were built. There was a, a big pit in the center. It was probably an indoor well. There was a, uh, a well on the inside of the building. But of course all the kids called it the pit. Apparently she was infamous for performing abortions. And of course the rest of the legend was that she kept these babies in jars and in formaldehyde and threw them down the pit. A lot of the rumors were that the well contained fetuses. And a group of us as teenagers would go out there and tell ghost stories about abortions and dead babies and all kinds of macabre things. Invariably, when you'd go out there, somebody would hear something, somebody would see something. We would talk about abortion and Doc Annie like it was just the worst thing we'd ever heard. Doc Annie's was a place to get a carload of kids, uh, go out there and scare everybody and get everybody real scared. It was more of a teenage kind of a cult thing to go out to the place and tell all these tales. You know, that's how legends are. If you grew up in Poplar Bluff, Missouri in the 60s and 70s, you probably heard the story of Doc Annie. Legend has it, Doc Annie was a doctor in town in the early 1900s who kept fetuses in a jar, or maybe through babies in wells. The town of Poplar Bluff sits in the southeast corner of Missouri, where Highway 67 meets Highway 60. The population is just over 17,000. The healthcare system and the public school district hire the majority of the residents. There is only one public high school. Parker Smith graduated from there in 2013, and like many teens who grow up in rural Missouri, he says it was boring. If you're from a small town, you kind of have to make your own fun. Beyond like what we were doing in high school and the activities that we were doing in high school, it was just like a lot of just driving around and looking for something to do. No surprise here why a ghost story like Doc Annie would take off. But this is where the Doc Annie story happened. Yes, there is truth at the heart of this ghost story. Dr. Annie was a real person and she performed abortions, illegally, in Poplar Bluff in the 1930s. There is not, however, any proof that she threw fetuses into a pit or stored them in jars. But this is the Doc Annie urban legend today and how locals know her. To understand where the truth is, without the noise of small town gossip, we have to go back and meet Annie, the real Annie, 
before her story got twisted into such a gory fable. Welcome to Show Me the State, the program where we explore the strange, misunderstood stories of Missouri's past and try to figure out what really happened, why did it happen, and how has that shaped the state today? I'm Christopher Husted. You're listening to Show Me the State on KBIA 91.3 FM. Check out our other podcasts, The Obvious Question and The True-False Podcast on KBIA.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back to the show and the Doc Annie story. Here's what we know about Annie. She was born in 1880 in Kellerton, Iowa. She graduated from osteopathic school in Kirksville, Missouri in 1902. Her husband, J.E., also graduated from there a year later. They moved to Poplar Bluff shortly after to open up a hospital. They had four children. To dig a little deeper, I talked to some experts. The first one is Parker Smith, the one who graduated from Poplar Bluff in 2013, whom we heard from earlier. He's also currently working toward his Master of Public Health at the University of Missouri. His research project focuses on women's reproductive health care. So this legend of Doc Annie hadn't even crossed your radar growing up at all? No, that, that legend had almost kind of died out amongst the, the generations of people growing up. Um, I think it was bigger in like the 70s. To jumpstart his research, Parker set up a visit with Beverly Sykes, one of Doc Annie's grandchildren. I drove from here in Columbia as my freshman year down on a day trip down to Fredericktown, which is about a three-hour drive from here. And I went there. There, She doesn't live in Fredericktown. She has like a farm where her and her husband, who uh, recently passed away, they raised some cattle and had horses. It was just, it's very, very rural, very, not flat, but just a lot of cleared land. At Beverly's house, she tells Parker about a book with the story of Doc Annie. I think she had dark hair, or maybe it was, no, Beverly said it was Auburn, but it looks dark in pictures, the black and white pictures. She has kind of striking blue eyes. Even though she really adored the women and children that she cared for, she was kind of cold to them and not super, like, affectionate. Parker learns Annie was a physician who also happened to provide abortions. And Annie did not have a good reputation with most of the town. So after you learned all this information for the first time, what's going through your head and what are you thinking? My first thought was, I want to know more. I want to know, like, you know, the context of this. I want to know, like, what people in the community thought of it, how ultimately how that affected my family. Parker Smith is thinking about his family. Because Doc Annie is Dr. Annie Smith, Parker's great-grandmother. He never met her, and he never knew the scope or notoriety of her medical practice until college. A little background on Parker's family. His father is a physician. His father's father was a physician. And his father's father's mother, Doc Annie. Parker says he never heard the tale of his great-grandmother because for most of his family, it's not a proud story. Parker's dad has never mentioned Annie to him. Parker has only heard peripherally from others how his dad feels. Basically, it was his response. He had no desire to have any additional information about 
his family and his, you know, his grandparents and their practice. He wants it buried, I think partially too, he wants his reputation to remain clean in the eyes of people in the community. Parker's father isn't alone. Parker says several Smith family relatives have felt Doc Annie's reputation negatively affect their lives. Take Parker's great uncle Marshall. He ended up working as a superintendent for a couple of schools in, in the area, but he could never work as like the superintendent for like Popper Bluff schools because of the reputation that Annie had had. And then there's Parker's grandfather, again, another physician in the family. Parker says he wouldn't practice in Poplar Bluff. Because people knew who his mother was. My name is Katie Ray. I am 56 years old, and I am on the volunteer board of the Poplar Bluff Museum. Katie has also been looking into Doc Annie, and she's turned up two important details. First, Annie was not solely an abortion doctor. The research that I have done shows me that Doc Annie and her husband were, were legitimate physicians who were helping people around town. For example, Katie found evidence of one patient who was being treated at the Smith Hospital for tuberculosis. Why then would Annie perform abortions? Abortion was illegal until the Supreme Court case Roe v. Wade, which was decided after Annie's death. And here's where the second detail comes in. Women's health issues in 1930s Missouri were challenging, especially for mothers who frequently were getting pregnant. So you kind of have to put your your head in the perspective of the times to, to figure out why this was so controversial and why she ever even saw a need for this. Well, she saw a need for it because women died in childbirth. Women couldn't control how many babies they had. So was Annie a pioneer or a pariah? The stories we don't hear are the women's lives she saved. We don't have those stories anymore. You know, I know they're, you know they're probably there, but we don't have them. Her, their families, you know, the woman's family's never going to talk about that. They may not even know. And so much time has passed. Those <clears throat> women are no longer with us. So we don't have those stories. Over time, Annie's story became skewed. While initially a public health issue in Annie's era, abortion took on a controversial nature during the 1970s when then-presidential candidate Richard Nixon politicized the issue, right when the Doc Annie urban legend was peaking in Poplar Bluff. If you look through Poplar Bluff history, you won't readily see Annie's legacy. She isn't noted in the Poplar Bluff Museum, although Katie wants to change that. You know, I knew enough about her to think, this is somebody that really should be featured in the Poplar Bluff Museum. And then I thought, mm, no, it's just too controversial, too, too hot of a topic. Um, just the, you know, I didn't want to incite the abortion debate in the museum. But I do feel like she has a legitimate place in history. The stigma of abortion runs deep in rural communities. And that plays heavily into making Doc Annie's work taboo in Poplar Bluff. The rest of the Smith family still feels those ripples. Of course, because abortion was illegal, we don't have great information about how many abortions Doc Annie performed or the nature of them. But through Parker's research, we do know some details about two cases, because Annie had to go to court two times to defend herself. In each case, the death of a woman who was under Annie's care was tied to an abortion. 
1934, the patient who died was a local school teacher. She was unmarried and she lived with her parents. She had an infected incision point due to an abortion being performed. She died from blood poisoning. But the thing, the thing is, in her note, when the woman came and saw her, she noted that the puncture hole that had gotten infected was already there um, whenever she came in to see her. So there were a lot of women who were performing self-abortions who ended up having to go to her because they knew that she would help them either, you know, fix it or complete a job that they weren't able to do. And my mom told me this, too. She she said that she thinks that Annie performed more, like, abortion fixes than actual abortions. So, like, women coming in and, like, needing medical services because they had tried to do those things to themselves. Ultimately, Annie was exonerated of both charges by the Missouri Supreme Court. Annie felt the heat, though, and she needed to get out. She started building a house away from people on Township Line Road perhaps to escape the leering townsfolk or her growing reputation. Parker says she wanted a garden and a place to raise her own livestock and can her own foods. But Annie Smith died before the building was ever complete. That building? The haunted hospital ghost hunters searched for decades later. Nobody really knew the purpose of the, you know, the haunted hospital that they thought that they knew so much about. Even though Parker has uncovered so much forgotten history, his dad is reluctant to discuss Annie. I think my dad doesn't really like to have difficult conversations either. Parker feels differently. I mean, I, I believe wholeheartedly that she was doing all of these things because she believed that it was the best thing that she could do for her patients. Something that doesn't make sense to me as far as like the whole abortion debate is context. There's a lot of context in why things happen and why people need these services. More after the break. Thanks for tuning in to KBIA 91.3 FM. You're listening to Show Me the State, our new podcast about folklore in Missouri. We untangle the complicated tales and try to figure out what really happened, why it happened, and why that matters now. If you value this kind of journalism and storytelling, consider going to kbia.org and click the donate button. Okay, now back to the program. There are thousands of stories, and everybody's got a story, and nobody shows up to have an abortion for a frivolous reason. Every situation is very unique. And uh, everyone will tell you a story that can break your heart. Could you introduce yourself? Yes. So I am a medical doctor. I am a Missourian. And I went to the University of Missouri uh, for undergrad and for medical school. I started out... So I'm not going to give you the name of this Uh, doctor. KBIA has agreed to give her anonymity to protect her safety. We'll just call her Dr. Mitchell, and we talked with her remotely since she lives out of state. And I was adept at doing various procedures, and I decided I wanted to learn to do abortions. I was uh, trained at reproductive health in St. Louis and uh, worked for Planned Parenthood at various times while I was in Missouri. 
Dr. Mitchell worked a few days every month at Planned Parenthood, primarily providing abortions. Of course, Planned Parenthood is a lightning rod in communities across the country, with protesters and counter-protesters outside its facilities regularly. While I was working there, there was a physician in Kansas who was shot dead by a pro-life person. So it was eminently clear to me that there were protesters of varying levels of uh, from having civil discourse to those who would shoot you dead. The murder of that Kansas physician in 2009 shook Dr. Mitchell. Not long after, she started experiencing her own horror. My neighbor told me that there was a car going uh, two miles an hour up and down the street and someone peering out and that this car was uh, plastered with pro-life bumper stickers. Dr. Mitchell had heard a story about someone like that who had broken into a Planned Parenthood and pulled out files, destroyed property, and vandalized the office. She's now worried someone like that is driving up and down her street. Presumably looking for me or looking for my house. Dr. Mitchell reported the car to Planned Parenthood security And a few days later, an FBI agent came to her house. The level of threat and concern was such that before I came to clinic, I would go and park in a different place every time and be picked up by a off-duty policeman and given a bulletproof vest and escorted into clinic. And uh, people would rush the car. That was sort of the breaking point, I guess. Dr. Mitchell decided to leave Planned Parenthood. So just like Doc Annie tried to retreat to a house in the country, Dr. Mitchell made her retreat, moving out of Missouri, away from the community she says she was sad to leave and no longer able to help. One of the things that I have tried to uh, keep in mind all throughout my practice is People of good conscience who care about doing the right thing can have entirely different ideas on this issue and beliefs on this issue, and that it's important that we um, respect one another and we have some kind of polite civil discourse. For Dr. Mitchell, finding a new job hasn't been easy. She says she's been stigmatized by the Planned Parenthood line on her resume. Much like Doc Annie a hundred years ago, she believes she's doing the right thing for women. I just think Doc Annie is awesome, and I hope that um, that for Doc Annie's family, this will bring them a sense of pride. I know in in previous generations there was shame around this issue, but I think supporting women and supporting the freedom of women is a very noble pursuit, and uh, so. Laws and policies surrounding abortion are constantly in flux and being challenged across the country. Missouri has dropped from three clinics to one in a span of months. Parker Smith, Doc Annie's great-grandson, says he thinks it actually was easier to get an abortion in Poplar Bluff in the 1930s than it is now. It was illegal and 
Um, but at least you had somebody who was willing to do it. Now it's illegal, and I doubt that there's anybody doing it in Popper Bluff, um, if that makes sense. Parker says he's trying to take what he knows about his great-grandmother and what he knows about his home community to shape his own future. Do you think you'll practice down in Poplar Bluff? It's it's a definitely a possibility. I'm interested in rural medicine and community health. I'm definitely not ruling it out. Part of my own personal philosophy is that a lot of people are leaving small towns. That's um, you know leaving this big hole of a lot of intelligent people in those towns who like need to. Some people need to come back and you know take leadership and try to move the community forward. Hopefully that community doesn't continue to slip backwards. But that's just that's just my own personal philosophy. So that's why it will never be off the table just because I'm interested in giving back to the community that raised me and bettering it. Do you feel like that's what Annie was doing? I definitely, you know, look up to her as a role model. She did what she believed was right and cared for her patients. She she did things that may have made people think ill of her in, in her community. And I, I think something that you can really learn from that is not necessarily break the law and do these things, but to understand that if you are caring for people in the way that they need to be cared for, if there's something that you're doing that the community may not agree with, your reputation may be sour in the beginning, but people will be able to fondly look up, look upon your legacy and know that you've done what you've needed to do to care for other people. Parker says he won't likely bring up Doc Annie with his father unless it comes up organically. He doesn't want to upset his dad. But at least for Parker's generation, the story of Doc Annie is returning toward the truth through him. Show Me the State is produced at KBIA at the Missouri School of Journalism. Jamie Hobbs produced this episode. The supervising producer and reporter is me, Christopher Husted. Our managing editor is Ryan Fumuliner. Our theme music and original scoring was created by Columbia band Loose Loose. Special thanks to Janet Saidi. Thanks also to the Reynolds Journalism Institute and to the Kinder Institute on Constitutional Democracy. 